when we arrived at Romans 8 this year, God just cut through my heart and he touched me so deeply and it spoke to my circumstances in ways that it never had before. And so I just want to read it to you. It's from Romans 8, 28. And I also want to read the first bit of 29 as well. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. He's working for our good. Who have been called according to his purpose, not my purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And I just praise God that he's at work in us. He's working for our good. He's calling me to his purpose. He's making me more and more and more like Christ. And I'm just so thankful for the hope that I have despite all the pain and all the unfulfilled dreams and unmet expectations and the unexpected directions your life can take. I'm just so thankful that he showed me again and again and again this year that he is actually enough and that a life completely surrendered to him is actually my very best life. And I think as we were talking this through, um, the thing aspect of God's faithfulness that came to me was the fact that God is in control. Um, there's been a lot going on this year between family and church and BSF and work and all the rest. And each of those things, I think, puts different pressures on our household at different times of the year. You know, it might be, and I know a lot of you can probably relate to different aspects of this, where you've got a mountain of work to do or you've got um, tricky issues in, in bringing up your kids that you're trying to navigate through. Um, you've got, uh, in my case, there were BSF lectures and training and things that need to be prepared and, and wanting to be available to serve around here as best you can. And, and life can quickly descend into this kind of chaos. And so it's been encouraging to be reminded that God doesn't send you off into life alone. You know, he doesn't just say, go do it. Um, he journeys through that life with you amongst all these things. And he's not just present, but he's actually in control over all those things. Um, and I've felt as I've progressively tried to let my let control over my life go, the more I've seen and been reminded of the fact that God is actually the one who is in control and, as Mel said, is working all things together for our good and for his glory. I think one of the most common questions we've asked ourselves over the last couple of years is, I don't know how people do life without God. You know, stuff just comes up in life all the time, every single year. The one thing you can be sure about 2019 is more stuff is going to come up. And to face that without the hope that we have in God and the knowledge that there is a God who is in control over all things is an incredible comfort and it's been a comfort for us. And so, um, you know, despite the chaos, we know that he's been in control of all things and he will be in control of all things next year and it's been a great reminder to us of his continued faithfulness. Thanks, uh, Melody and Paul. Uh, just a quick one before I start. Uh, there is a crash for those who need that this morning. There is no kids' church this morning. You might have seen our note uh, during uh, the week. Um, during the year, uh, we had uh, a number of our saints uh, pass away. And interestingly enough, I've conducted a, quite a few funerals this year, not all for those who belong to Jesus. And the difference between the two is quite phenomenal. So I back up what Paul's uh, saying uh, when you see... Um, the devastation at uh, funerals where uh, there is no hope uh, and yet you go to the funerals of some of these uh, saints I'm going to talk about here for a moment and the great hope that there is and the joy that we have. We, we mourn but at the same time uh, we're cheerful in the knowledge that they're in the arms of uh, Christ, uh, their Saviour and their Lord. 
At the start of uh, funerals, I've started to uh, use the same verse because I just love it. It's such a reminder at the start, and it's out of Psalm 116.15. It says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What an amazing thing. Precious in the sight of the Lord is what people who da-da-da and who do this and do that. No, 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 is the death of his uh, saints. And many of these uh, people uh, who I'm going to talk to now, I mean, they're, they're all uh, with him, all uh, the ones I'm going to mention. Uh, Dixon Blair, who I didn't know uh, that well, who's uh, uh, Cal uh, Blair's father. Uh, I didn't really remember him. I think that must be a little bit uh, way back here too, but certainly was uh, part of our church there, and that's Jane, uh, his, uh, her, his granddaughter with him. Eleanor Vinicum, uh, who uh, grew to love over the last five years or so, uh, the wife of Laurie, uh, who uh, we thought was going to go before Eleanor, a beautiful, beautiful couple uh, that just loved the Lord so much. And the conversations always uh, were around uh, the Word of God and around their faith uh, in Jesus. Glenda Cairns, who just recently has passed, and we love Glenda. And uh, Glenda also, the thing that I think of when I think of Glenda is going to small group and nobody's done all their questions, but there's Glenda with piles of pages. She's been thinking through it. She's done all the questions. She's a very methodical woman, but a great faithful servant of Christ uh, too. And so uh, we think uh, of her uh, today too. Just by the way, if you didn't know, she's actually got her own YouTube channel. It's got over a million hits all up. People just went, oh! And the reason why I haven't been to it is because it's about craft. So there you go. <laughs> but you might want to have a, have a look at that. Obviously, that's still uh, there is a legacy for some of the things she was so, so uh, good at as well. And then finally, Johnny Weller. And uh, Johnny, when I think of John, I think of Maureen together. And uh, I think of them going past my house in Heathmont on a tandem bike. And then on a tandem bike, not as well. Then a little bit less well. <laughs> And then they decided, well, we better not do it anymore, basically, too. And uh, John, uh, wonderful man, uh, faith. And uh, I remember the night that he died, I was with uh, uh, Maureen and at his house. And as we sat there, and uh, I actually had my arm around him and, and Maureen was holding his hand, uh, that my verse of the day came to me. I think I've told this story before. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Do I look at it now? And I pulled it up and there it was. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. And I laughed and I showed it to Maureen. And then her son, his went ding. And it was another, I can't think what it was now. I think it might have been I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Just some incredible confirmation of who God is and of what he has done through us uh, through Jesus. And I thought, what a better way now. I'm going to have that video in a second there, Joan. Um, before John died, uh, I asked him if he had a favourite hymn, and he said, yes, I do, actually. So I got him to read it to me, and uh, in a bit of a rush this morning, I sort of um, uh, popped together uh, the words so you can see what they are, but I'm going to let John finish this section who's actually reading uh, this hymn, which is, there's a little Freudian slip that he's put in there, which I think is wonderful. He actually personalised it. Listen for it. A little bit later, he says, me instead of, I think, us. And when he was so close to death, I think that was very poignant that he made that little mistake in there, or maybe it wasn't a mistake. Let's have a look. Love divine, all love excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithfulness is crowned. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure and bound in love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. 
finish them, no new creations. Do her own spotless, let it be. Let me see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. Um, so uh, on Facebook, I think a couple of days ago, I mentioned uh, that uh, because we're doing, looking at thankfulness today and being thankful to God, I gave an opportunity, maybe for, if any of the kids wanted to come and say something quickly about why they were thankful to God. Now, I know that we did some video of you, and we're going to have a look at that in a second, because we've seen the adults already too. But is there any of the little, little ones who'd like to come and say why they're thankful to God before we do that? Is there anybody who'd like to do that or has thought about doing that this morning? No? That's okay. In fact, if you, don't, if, you want to just come and put your, if you want to put your hand up, I can come to you if you'd like to, just to say what you're thankful to God for. No? That's okay. Why don't we just have a look at the video and see what you had to say a couple of weeks ago. What does Thanksgiving mean? What does Thanksgiving mean? Well, it means... I'm thankful for life, family, the world. And I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for friends and... Like, relationships. I'm thankful for Jesus dying on the cross. I am my dad. We're friends and family because, you know, some people don't have them. So, yeah, I'm really thankful. I'm definitely thankful for Christmas, that Jesus came to earth in the human way. And um, I'm also thankful that we are in a country where we are allowed to read the Bible and we're not persecuted for it. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful for my stuffed animal bunny that she's been there for all my life. I'm thankful for my family. I am thankful for Christ and eternal life. I am thankful for Jesus dying on the cross for us to live. I'm thankful for getting baptised and thankful for family and friends and for God. I'm thankful for the last day of school when we got to do calming activities like colouring. I'm thankful that I've made it through this year safely. I'm grateful for heaven. I'm thankful to God for having good friends this year. I'm thankful for God providing me food and water. I'm thankful for that Jesus was born. I'm grateful for God making food and water for me to not die. I am thankful for my family and my teachers. I am thankful that God made me. I'm thankful for Christmas and God's son Jesus. My store! Oh, your store! Fantastic! I'm thankful that God gave us out this land. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, for if you're visiting Canterbury Gardens this morning, a very warm welcome. This is a, a bit of a, a different type of service. As you're seeing, it's a, a service of thankfulness and praise for what's going on amongst our church family for the year. And we're now going to focus a little bit on, on two things of thankfulness. One is perseverance and the other is trust. 
So I'm going to ask uh, Sue Mazels to come up, and she's going to share something first, and then Rachel, um, after Sue's completed. Thanks. When Shabu asked me to share today, it took me about a minute to consider it and say yes, didn't it? Well, probably even less than that. Because a lot has happened this year. There have been some very deep lows and some highs, and um, I've grown in my walk with the Lord through them. So I thought, it's good to share. Um, and I know God can use uh, what I've learnt to help and encourage others as I've been helped by shared experiences in the past. Then over the week, as I, I was very aware that to give context to why I was asked to share would not be the right thing to do. Sorry. In this kind of public forum. So I'm going to focus on how I've grown through the challenges. Sorry. <laughs> Rob and I have had, a, had difficult years before, but 2018 really had the potential to break us. Many of you will relate to having a loved one who has chosen to go their own way, deciding that faith in God is not for them. Rob and I have had to stand by and watch as one who is very dear to us was destroying his life and in the process potentially destroying ours. If someone asked me how things were going, I would describe my life as a roller coaster. There have been days when I struggled to get out of bed just wanting to go back to sleep so I didn't have to deal with thoughts of what might happen that day. I started to dread hearing the phone ring because of the potential chaos that I might encounter. At times I felt like I was going to get seriously sick. I knew this stress was not good for me, but how, come, how can I remain supportive when I dreaded any interaction? So I, I, it got to a point where I just knew things needed to change. I knew I couldn't continue like this, and I knew God didn't want me to either. I acknowledge that God has been with us our whole lives and I believe he's intervened and protected in more ways than I'll ever know. But after years of prayer, things seem to be getting worse. Then I remembered a little quote that I jotted down. I'm not sure where it originated from. but Too often we try to use God to change our circumstances while he's using our circumstances to change us. So, what are the lessons that he wants me to learn? I believe that I had become battle-weary and I had to honestly examine myself and get into God's word. I needed to seek God's forgiveness and reclaim the victory that is mine through Christ's death and, death and resurrection. So I started with an exercise book, writing down scriptures about prayer, spiritual warfare, who I am in Christ and the resources I have available to me. During difficult times, in my despair, I would just pray through those passages, reading them aloud. I remember one particular day where Rob and I, we were so distraught, we, we didn't know what to do. We just sat at our kitchen bench, just reading through those passages. And it really helped, actually. I was attending the <clears throat> Friday prayer group, which has been a source of blessing and support. It has been an opportunity to share on a deeper level and encourage one another. Over the years, I've been able to call on people to pray 
This year again, I would shoot off a text or phone call when the situation was extreme. It was like rallying the troops. And I've received texts and letters highlighting helpful scriptures and devotions that have been so timely. I'm so grateful to my extended family here at Canterbury Gardens and the prayers prayed on our behalf and over many years. Here are just a few of the verses that have helped me remembering. I have an exercise book just about full of them. Um, so from Isaiah, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And from Philippians, <clears throat> do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And from Chronicles, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen, strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. I know that the year ahead could still be a roller coaster, but I'm trusting God to help me remain on level ground despite what's happening around me, believing that nothing is impossible to God. In John 14 it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. God has definitely answered prayer. Uh, so despite the challenges, I'm incredibly thankful. I have to ask myself, would I be the person I am today if God had answered our prayers straight away and I think not it is through problems, failures, weaknesses and neediness that we learn to rely on God I know that nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer so I persevere, choosing to trust in God's sovereignty knowing that he sees the beginning to the end and is able to do immeasurably more than all I ask or imagine thank you Hi. I sort of feel a bit all over the show before knowing what to share, but I'm just trusting God because I prayed about this. Of course I did. I prayed about everything. Um, so what has God taught me about persevering in prayer? Well, the first thing that came up um, as I went through my prayer journal and um, my just normal journal is now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Um, and the righteous shall live by faith. Um, so I think the foundation is relationship with Jesus, um, yielding to God, um, obedience, because not every single week on a Friday I can guarantee that Sue, Emmanuel, Oriel or myself would feel like coming when the kids are being crazy or things are going chaotic in our lives, which has heightened massively since we prayed because it's massively spiritual warfare. Um, but it's obedience. Like, relationship with Jesus drives me to pray because I know it's his will for me. Um, persevering in prayer um, is knowing certain things that are definitely God's will. So that, like, fully excites me because I know it's his will. I can just pray with absolute crazy confidence that, you know, he's going to come through, even if everything that I can see in life is telling me the opposite. I just yield to him and know, like... Um, so 
faith is a massive thing. God keeps, like, after I prayed last night, um, he really wanted me to yeah, share about faith. So I have a few verses about faith, um, which is a massive one. Is fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, and I just thought I'd share a few things. Um, like a year and a half ago, God really awoken me um, to him. And I just felt encouraged to keep writing down answered prayer, like just to keep writing it down. So I have lists and lists and lists of answered prayer. Um, and so I thought I'd share a few of those. It might, I can't really, I'll just read some of them out. Don't judge me. <laughs> uh, God would invade my life. Yep, tick. God would change my controlling behavior. Tick. God would change my potty mouth. Yes, he certainly has. Um, God would give me Christian friends. Yes, he's definitely done that in a huge way. Um, God would bring Christians alongside Dan. Yes, he has definitely done that in a crazy way. Um, that God would um, bless me with a mentor. Yes, he did that. That God would use me to share the good news. He's definitely done that. And he's just like getting away all the fear I mean, even like this last week, I feel like compelled to share this. Since having Mary Grace, I feel like the rug has been absolutely ripped from under me. And I feel like so, so, so vulnerable. Um, But God has blessed me abundantly through people. And just showing me, oh, Rachel, you are, and this is in a beautiful way, like this isn't mean, but you are an absolute speck in my plan. Like just real humbling um, I went to share the gospel with a guy who came to do my ducted healing. He's like, I already believe. Um, Then I went to share the gospel with a lady at a wedding who um, then told me, I'm already a believer. I'm already a follower of Jesus. Um, Then the guy that came to mow our lawns, yeah, I'm already a Christian. Like, far out. Like, what are you trying to to teach me here? But he is good. He's in all of our lives. He's in everyone. He's pursuing everyone that we know and love. And we just have to get on board with that. Pray for them. Like, even Joan this morning said to me, oh, you know Kay Turnbull? And I said, yeah, I do. And she said, how do you know her? And I said, oh, I worked with her in aged care. And she said, oh, she used to go to a brethren church. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I would never have thought that. I'm like, I've got to pray for her. Same with Steve Taylor's mum. I worked with her in aged care and just found out this week or the other week from Facebook. Like, God is just pursuing people. He's a God who answers prayer. Like, this year, I won't go into detail with things, but he is awakening people in this church. Like, that is a massive answer to prayer. Like, we're praying for revival here. Like, ask the pastors. They've been praying for revival for how many years? Like, God is awakening people. And I won't even point the people out. I'll let you see the fruit in their lives. It's so exciting. God's healed God has just done, oh, sorry, just done crazy things like in answers to prayer and, um, and in the disgusting trials and all evil that comes our way, he is just pruning us and using it for good. And I love that. It's a win-win. Like if you want to yield and surrender all to God, but you're fearful of, you know, the devil and evil, don't be. Like, yield to him. Surrender everything to him and he will blow your mind every single day. He will blow your mind and things will come at you, but he will use everything for good. So don't be afraid.
Like, yeah, I just want to encourage you. So I feel like that is really all over the show. But, um, yeah, I just want you to all know that we're praying for you and we're praying for your family who have walked away. We're praying for your family that won't even acknowledge anything. Um, and, yeah, just, just be excited because God is so good. He is, he is mind-blowingly good. And if you feel like, you know, you're over church and like you, you want to walk away and, you know, other things in the world look really great, let me just tell you, disobedience is gross and um, the fruit of it is gross. <laughs> Believe me, I've been there. Like, I've done it all. And I just want you to know, please don't do it. Like, I don't want you to have to learn the hard way. Like, honestly, God has got good plans for every single person in this room. Every single person in this room. From the littlest to the oldest, he's got good plans for you. So, yeah, I just want to encourage you. And we're praying for you. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, uh, Rachel. It's a, it's a blessing to hear what God is doing in the midst of us. We're now going to continue this by looking at uh, the aspect of trust. And we've got the, the video from the baptisms, that, which is held in November of this year. So if you could play that video, and uh, it would be a blessing to us. Thank you. beautiful Mornington Peninsula and it's uh, a significant day for, for our family. So today I stand here and testify that God is sanctifying me through his word and by his spirit. That lives me. To me to live is Christ, to die is gain and I know that's in his heart. Father we pray that by uh, your spirit you will continue to guide him. I have decided to be baptized because Jesus gave us the example and that is what I want to do in obedience of the Lord. Leah, based on the confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. The verse that's always spoken to me is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and always submit to him and he will make your path straight. Jason, who is Jesus to you? He's my Lord and Saviour. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. One verse that helped me to trust God and that he'll always be there for me is Joshua 1 verse 9. It says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Some of you may know that I almost drowned when I was two years old. I could have died, but God saved me. Hi, Melissa. I'm sure you can recognise behind me the old backyard at Kalani Mission and the swimming pool where you drowned as a toddler so many years ago. And Mum and I are still very, very grateful to God that he gave us gave you back to us that day. I pray for you, Melissa, that from God's glorious riches, he will grant to you to be strengthened and spiritually energised with great power through his spirit in your innermost being in order that Christ may dwell and abide in your heart through your faith. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
But Christ is our example as Christians. And if you are someone here today who hasn't been baptized, because you feel like you have to reach a certain spiritual level, or because you feel you're not ready, you don't have to. All it takes is a step of obedience. I usually quite privileged to ask you this question, Matt, who is Jesus to you? He's my Lord and Savior. Now my privilege on the confession of your faith to baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has used one man and his wife in particular to do an incredible amount of work, and that man sitting behind me on his phone. <laughs> Being baptized is about obeying God. It's about publicly declaring our faith um, in Him. And no matter what life throws my way from now on, I want my first response to be to turn to Him. On your profession of faith, it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The biggest difference of myself compared to before I became Christian is that instead of being self-centered, I learned to put God in first in all aspects of my life. Now I have the most meaningful purpose in life, which is serving the Lord. So upon your confession of faith and in front of all your friends and family here, I want to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm made righteous, not through anything I've done, but through the grace of a good God. I'm definitely still a work in progress. God is not done with me, not by a long shot. And any prayer for my walk with God would be greatly appreciated. But I'm up here today to tell you that my sins are forgiven and that I'm a servant of the living God. Jackson, um, who is Jesus to you? He's my Lord and Saviour, the shepherd of my life. I really want to commit my life to, um, to my Lord and Saviour. So I want to be baptised to show my faith in Jesus Christ. Do you repent of your sins and acknowledge your need of a Saviour? Yeah. And you me too. <laughs> <laughs> A tremendous reminder. A lot has gone on during the year, and uh, continue to pray for each one who's been baptized through this year because it's just when you publicly confess to Christ as your Lord, life doesn't get easy, it gets increasingly more difficult because of who you're standing up for. So, commit to pray for, for some of those you saw today. Right now, we're going to look at uh, uh, a third testimony, so Luke's going to come up. But before Luke does, I'm just going to read a, a small poem to you because we're talking about the impact of God's word in our life. And uh, many years ago, my father gave me this poem. And I'm not a great poem reader, but this one particularly spoke to me. And it's called The Anvil and the Hammer. And it's a poem which is anonymous. No one knows who wrote it, but I think it's uh, very timely as we consider the impact of God's word upon our life. So here's this poem. So just, just the picture of this poem is a, 
a gentleman walking past a blacksmith's uh, place of work. So here's the poem. Last eve I passed beside a blacksmith's door and heard the anvil ring the vesper chime. Then looking in I saw upon the floor old hammers worn with beating years of time. How many anvils have you, said I, to wear and batter all those hammers so? Just one, said he, and then with twinkling eye, the anvil wears out the hammers, you know. And so I thought, the anvil of God's word, for ages skeptics' blows have beat upon. Yet though the sound of falling blows was heard, the anvil is unharmed, the hammer is gone. Um, so for a couple of years now, um, a few men have been meeting together to do like a book club. Um, we came out of a men's camp two years ago and um, so we meet fortnightly at 6.30am and um, I say we meet at fortnightly at 6.30am and there might have been a couple of times I forgot or slept in, which was ironic because the first book we were doing was uh, Disciplines of a Godly Man. <laughs> but um, this year we've been uh, uh, doing a book by Chuck um, Swindle and um, it's called uh, The Owner's Manual for Christians, which is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek title, but it's, it's a great book. Um, I just want to share a couple of things that stood out to me uh, from this uh, book. The first, oh, so I'll give you a bit of a, an overview of what, what it's like. So part one is God's character, grace, love, joy, fellowship, and friendship, God's will. Part two, what's true about God becomes true about you, intimacy, prayer, humility, surrender, self-control, that kind of thing. And we've been going through the, this year. Anyway, the first quote that Chuck uses um, from the first chapter on grace is this. The moralizing and legalizing of the gospel of God's grace is a dull heresy peddled to disappoint people who are angry because they have not received what they have no good reason to expect. So that's a pretty heavy start to what actually is quite an easy read for a book, I should say. Um, And I... Uh, when I read that originally, before we talked about it, sort of conflated moralizing and legalizing into the one thing, which is basically just to reduce the Bible down to a list of do's and don'ts. Um, But actually, moralizing is uh, taking the Bible and reducing it to Aesop's fables, which is to say, what's the the lesson I can learn out of this? What's the moral of this story? Um, So someone like a a Jordan Peterson might take um, David and Goliath and reduce that to something like, um, David faced small giants in the lion and the bear, uh, and then he, because he did that, he was then able to face the big giant of Goliath, and he was able to overcome that. So when you have small giants in your life, take them on, and then when big things come, you'll be able to take them on too. So that's kind of a secular uh, way of moralizing the story of David and Goliath. Um, you can also spiritually moralize the story of David and Goliath, which is to say, no, no, you can't take on Goliath, but with God's strength, when Goliath comes, take God's strength and take on the Goliaths in your life. But again, that's really not the point of David and Goliath at all. The story of David and Goliath is really a story of God's grace. Because the Israelites, and we've been through Judges, the Israelites, again, were disobeying God. They were, again, not trusting God. And God could have said to them, well, you asked for a king, an earthly king. I was your king. You asked for an earthly king. You've got your earthly king. Off you go. That's that's what you asked for. But he didn't. He showed grace, and he sent a small shepherd boy to defeat um, Goliath, and he showed his grace. So that's, um, 
Yeah, so that sort of has, has set, that was a, at the start of the year, has kind of set my mind uh, when studying God's Word, not to moralize it, not to look for the lesson or the, the moral of the story, but to actually look for what is this teaching me about God and what is this teaching me about me. And often it's teaching me that God is gracious and that I need grace. Um, so that's been great this year. Um, I also want to read to you a prayer from the um, section. Uh, the chapter was called Dealing with Failure, Suffering, Temptation, and Guilt. And this is a, a prayer that um, Chuck wrote. I'll just read it to you. Father, dear gracious Father, all of us have experienced failure. It has left us broken and disappointed in ourselves. To make matters worse, there are times when flashbacks of those failures return to haunt us. Renew our hope as we read and reflect on the words of Peter, with whom we so easily identify. Remind us that, just as you used him after he had failed repeatedly, you will also use us by your grace. And thank you again for your grace. Father, give us grace to match our trials. Give us a sense of hope and purpose beyond our suffering. Give us assurance that we're not alone, that your plan has not been aborted through our suffering, though our suffering intensifies. Let us never forget that every jolt on this rugged journey from earth to heaven is a reminder we're on the right road. Lord, since you don't save us and then suddenly take us home to glory, hear our prayer this day as we ask you to bring our attention to those things that, we, that will assist us in staying clean in a corrupt world. Give us an intense distaste for things that displease you and an increased pleasure in things that bring you honour and magnify your truth. And Father, lift us out of the mire of our own self-condemnation. All too frequently we are our own worst enemy. We focus on our failures rather than on your rescues, on our wrongs rather than on your commitment to make us right, on our puny efforts rather than on your powerful plans for our good. Even our attempts at being devoted to you can become so self-centred. Turn our attention back to you. Remind us of our exalted position in your Son. Refresh us with frequent flashbacks. God is for us. Lord, renew our spirits with the realisation that we're your possession. Then, with those joyful thoughts to spur us on, may we rise above our failures, find joy in the midst of suffering, grow strong despite temptation, and slay the dragons of guilt within us so we might enjoy more deeply than ever your ultimate embrace. Through Christ I pray. Amen. Um, I'll just share a verse too. Um, for by grace it is... For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works of righteousness, lest any man should boast. Um, I finished reading this, first in Best Dressed, if you would like to read it after me. I highly recommend you getting it. It's a really good read, and it's, just, it's packed full of great stuff. So I would recommend grabbing this book if you, if you want to. Thanks, Luke. We have a, a few more copies of that in the office too, so if anyone would like a copy. Or join us next year. Because the, the men's fortnightly group is still going to continue to meet at 6.30am on a Tuesday morning. Uh, the book for next year has not been chosen, but uh, we'd love to have you as part of, the, of that group. We're now going to continue our Thanksgiving service by taking up our offering. So let me just pray for our offering. Uh, if you could prepare that as an act of worship, and if the stewards could get that ready. And then Shabu will, will come up and uh, share from Lamentations chapter 3. So let's just pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, it's good to be reminded of the impact and the power of the gospel in our lives. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death, burial and resurrection. We thank you that through his death, burial and resurrection and by your grace we have been saved. And we praise you for that. 
Father, as a continued act of our worship this morning, we uh, just want to give back to you. We thank you for the ability you give us to to, um, earn funds. And Father, we pray that within our hearts we will always realise that this is from your gracious hand. So we pray that this morning we'll give with a, a heart of joy and a heart of thanksgiving. We pray this now in the powerful name of Christ our Saviour. Amen. Hey, morning church. How are we this morning? We're good? Yes? I'm not sure about you. Um, uh, firstly, if you have a little one uh, and they're making a noise, we don't mind. That's fine. Go for it. Uh, they might be saying amen as I preach. I don't know. Um, uh, so don't feel like you have to you know, keep them quiet or anything like that. That's totally fine. Normally we do have a kids program that runs uh, as, we end to the, as we go to the end of the year. Uh, we're sort of pausing a few things. But I don't know about you. My heart is full. Um, It's been a deep encouragement to hear uh, these stories of people sharing about God's faithfulness, seeing these videos, uh, and we have much to be thankful for. Uh, I don't know about you, once again, uh, as Paul was sharing earlier, I'm one of those guys who spends towards the end of the year looking back, and I reflect on the year. I can't believe 2018 is about to end, uh, and 2019 is about to begin. It's the last Sunday of 2018, and this morning, as I was kind of considering what to share with you and, and maybe for you to consider some things, uh, I thought, what better way to have uh, finished the Thanksgiving service by reflecting on a passage from the book of Lamentations? Yeah? Makes sense? No, right? I know it might not be uh, a passage that we might automatically choose, but I hope and pray as we reflect on it that your hearts will be stirred to thank our great God because it speaks much about his character. So if you have a Bible, if you could turn to Lamentations chapter 3, uh, we're going to be just looking over a couple of verses, verses 22 to 24. It's up here on the screen for you. If you don't have a Bible, it's fine. Uh, let me read to you. Here is God's word. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Lord God, we pray as we continue this time in worship that you will continue to speak to us as you already have been, and particularly as we reflect on your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, change us to know Christ more. And Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. Once again, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart acceptable to you, through Christ our great Saviour, in your mighty name. Amen. I'm not sure about you, if you've ever had a situation in your life where you feel like there's this heavy weight on you. Uh, you can't seem to shake it off. Um, to, to the end of the year, usually it's around this time, you have a few things going on. In the media in particular, you'll see things like the year that has been. You know, they'll reflect on the year. They'll talk about uh, greats, you know, people who have passed away. Uh, They might talk about significant things that have happened uh, throughout the year in history. Uh, One of the things that I really love sort of reflecting on is great sporting events and reflect on the year in 2018. Now, maybe because I'm Indian and I go for the Indian cricket team, um, (laughs) for the Australian cricket team, there's one event that's happened. And when you see this picture up here of this gentleman, if you don't know what cricket is and you don't know who that is, that's a gentleman by the name of Steve Smith, what goes through your mind? 
Right? Sorry? Bring it back. That reminds me of a song. I don't know what that is. So there's a young person telling me that. I'll come and ask for interpretation later. Someone said cheating. Yeah? So when we look at that picture, when we hear that name, uh, it's like this imagery straight out. He's no longer now remembered for his cricketing skills or prowess or what he's achieved, even as the captain, prior to this event that has happened. Uh, Now, what's going to happen is for the rest of his career, he's going to have this on him. It's going to be a weight that will constantly follow him like a bad smell. He will try to shake it off, but it will constantly be there. Recently, uh, a phone company by the name of Vodafone decided to do an ad campaign with Steve Smith. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, You hear him talking about this idea of that moment and then trying to kind of shake it off in some sense. Uh, He's going back into the club. He's he's trying to, you know, talk to people and mentor them about his, uh, you know, failure, but then to kind of work his self back up. As I watch this, it is an ad. It's selling a product. But I felt for him. He's a man who now has, for the rest of his life, will feel like he has to prove something. He has to win favour back, both for himself, the cricketing community, and the fans. There's a huge weight on him. You can take that picture off the screen if you like. I don't know when you reflect on you, what kind of year have you had? Uh, Are there been things that you have done or said that you kind of regret now? You wish it hasn't happened, and it's sort of this weight that's on you. Maybe it's that sin or that pleasure or thing that you've given yourself into and time and time again, and it feels like you've gone too far. I've crossed the line. These verses here are really wonderful, beautiful, super encouraging verses for us to meditate on. Here in this moment, the author of this lament, it's like a mourning, is reflecting on a true reality that has happened. That is, God has brought judgment on the people of Israel. They have sinned against God when we talk through that the book of Judges, and God has given them over. The Babylonian Empire has come in and destroyed is Jerusalem. And in poetic detail, the author of Lamentations is reflecting on that. There's so much passion in this book. If you ever never read, I would encourage you to do it. Maybe it'd be a wonderful summer reading for you. See, previously to the verses we're reflecting on, the author has unpacked for us, and in some sense, what he what they're saying is we've gone too far. And God has judged us. And they're not complaining, they're saying, rightly so, God has judged us. We're feeling the weight of God's judgment on us. We're feeling the heavy hand of God's judgment on us. And in a sense, you're feeling this, as you read it, the sense of, oh, man, we've gone too far. God's hand is heavy on us. I don't know how we can turn back to this. How do we come out of this? I don't know if you ever felt that own heaviness in your own heart. All people that you minister to have heard them share with you. It's like this weight you can't shake off. But here's the thing. In these verses that we just read, what we're saying beautifully display is God has good news for all of us. Here is a God displaying his beautiful, wonderful character. 
The verse says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Uh, in the Old Testament particularly, uh, you'll have a particular word, a Hebrew word called chesed, that keeps on coming over and over again. And this word comes up in this passage again. A word that kind of we don't really know how to translate. The best way that we can translate is to say what it does is this one word speaks of God's wonderful character. That his character is loyal, his character is kind, and this loyal kindness never ever ceases. That his very compassion and his very character never comes to an end. That they are fresh, they're brand new. Every morning, like a beautiful sunrise. And that his very faithfulness is so abundant. And so the author responds and says, My portion is the Lord. I have said to myself, in this moment, it's like the author is preaching to themselves, to the people of Israel. This is the truth in our very circumstances. So the author says, I will put my hope in him, this God the one who keeps his promises. Using Old Testament language is covenants. That's the language here. Friends, don't we serve a wonderful God? Amen? This is a God who is very loyal in his love to his people. This is a God whose compassion never ceases. This is a God, in a sense, gives you a fresh morning start every day. This is a God and his very character is abundant in his love and faithfulness to you and I. And it's an encouragement to you and I. We don't have to live in despair. That we can actually turn to him. And maybe that is you, that you feel that heaviness on your heart right now. All God asks us is turn back and rest in this abundant love for you. And maybe you've had a wonderful year of great spiritual growth. And you think and reflect to yourself, yeah, well, I don't feel that heaviness. I've gone well with my relationship with the Lord. But in this passage, there's another statement that they make. You know, I don't know about you, as you kind of ponder on the year that's about come, come on you in 2019. Maybe you've got great anticipation. This is the year. You're excited. There's going to be my, my, main, uh, major milestones for you. Maybe some of us are going, oh, I'm so not looking forward to 2019. The question is still the same for you and I. Where or who will our hope be in? We're using the language here, where will our hope and security be in? See, the words that are reminded in these passages that our hope, our security, should be only on one person. Our heart's affection should be stirred to move towards this one person, the one who is loyal, the one who is kind, the one who never changes, the one whose compassion will never run out on you, the one who each morning will give you mercy upon mercy as you turn to him. And that is the truth for those of us who know him. You can be sure of one thing next year. These words are true. This is the God that will still remain the same. This is 100% that will still be there. Because that is his very nature. 
That is who he is. So as you ponder next year, where does our hearts or our hope lie in? Job security. Maybe this is next year is the year the Lord will stop that job. Maybe you were banking on a pay rise. Maybe you're hoping for that job promotion or that contract to get that. Financial stability. I know I've been reflecting on an eldership team and thinking about 2019 and beyond. Maybe it's ministry hopes and dreams that you have. Maybe it's that university course you're looking forward to start or finish, finally. Maybe you thought you finished year 12, that, you know, I was wanting to get into that course, it hasn't happened, now what do I do? What about another level? Maybe our hope is in our kids, our grandkids. I know there are many people who play sports here. This is the year, this is the coming year we will win our grand final. Maybe it is in that marriage proposal. Or in singleness, retirement, I could go on. Whatever season. See, for Steve Smith, his hope or his portion is his cricketing career. He got stripped away and he's now on a journey of trying to find out who he is and he's trying to work himself back in favour. I pray for him that he'll discover there is a saviour who offers something much better. That's where his hope will be in. See, for us, for those of us who know him, our hope is not in the things of this world. They're not all bad things. The verse says here, my portion is the Lord. I have said to myself, so I'll put my hope in him. See, our hope should not be in the things that are temporal, that will pass away, but in the things that matter. Because in our seasons that are ahead, we don't have full 100% guarantee exactly how it's going to play out. But we know that there is a God who is ever gracious and merciful. And so because of that, we can put our hope, our portion in him. The language is like saying, hey, you know what? The only thing that's worth in my life right now, the only thing that matters right now in my life, my only portion or my only reward is God himself. Because of who he is. The God who keeps his promises, the God who keeps his covenants, the God who's the promise keeper. So we put our hope in him. I don't know about you, does that feel real to you? Friends, who or what is our hope in as we look in the new year? And a few verses later, the author continues, and there's this wonderful portion in verse 55, which is up here on the screen. The author says, I've called on your name, O Lord. From the deepest of pits you heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near on the day I called to you and you said, Do not fear. The nation of Israel are feeling God's judgment and the author is saying, Let's turn to him. Let's cry out to him. Please don't shut your ears off from us. Please bring us relief. And the Lord answers, do not fear. I know that in the supermarkets, they've already got the hot cross buns out. But believe it or not, recently we celebrated Christmas. The birth of Christ. Has that not been beautifully displayed to us as we ponder on Christmas? The God now says to us, do not fear. The God who is the loyal, promise-keeping God sends his very own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who on that cross experienced what we should have experienced. 
God's heavy hand, his righteous judgment poured out on his own son. This saviour takes our place. It takes and bears the brunt of God's judgment on himself. And in Jesus, God beautifully displays this steadfast love as our Savior dies on that cross. But praise God, on the third day, he rose again. For those of us who have put our faith in him, we have hope. We have hope. That we can know that we can see his mercies that are new every morning. And his faithfulness is true because of his very character, because of who he is. He's the loving, kind, gracious king. And did you know that there is something much far greater when you put your faith in Christ? Far greater than inheriting eternal life. Did you know what that is? We gain something far more beautiful. We gain Jesus. We gain Jesus. And it's far greater than eternal life itself. Because he becomes our portion. He is our promise. He's the one we hope in. And friends, if you don't know this Jesus, we would invite you to explore that with us. We'd love to introduce him to you. And maybe you're someone this morning, you're reflecting on your life, maybe even this week, maybe even yesterday, and you think you feel like you've gone too far. I've got good news for you. Christ's love is never far for you. It's unending. He will pursue you. Have we not already heard that? Maybe you're praying for that one person who keeps on feeling like they're rejecting God and you're thinking to yourself, when will God's limit run out for them? These verses remind us, until they've got life in their lungs, they still have God's grace on them and he will pursue them. So I would encourage you to keep persevering to pray for them. For those of us who know him, as we continue to look to 2019, as we continue to look to grow in Christ, we will still need this reminder, won't we? Of God who is faithful, who sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why at Canary Gardens we talk often about gospeling you, constantly and continually preaching the gospel to yourself and to each other. Because that's where we find our hope. Because of what Christ has done. So that gives us great courage, no matter what is ahead or what's been behind. Each Sunday morning, we partake in communion during halfway through the service. And this morning, we thought we'd do it towards the end. A communion is a remembrance meal. It's a meal that Christ commanded for us to do. Why? To remind us. Because I think God knows we're forgetful people. And so, friends, in the moment, we're going to take the bread. It's a symbol of Christ's body that was sacrificed on your behalf. In the moment, we're going to take the cup, and we would invite you to hold the cup, and we'll drink together. It's a reminder of um, Christ's blood that was shed for you, but also the promise that cleanses of all sin as we put our hope in him. We can partake in the portion that Christ offers in himself. See, in this moment, as we partake in communion... It's a wonderful reminder to you and I, we have a God who is loyal, a God who keeps his promises, a God who's full of mercy and grace. And whoever you are, whether if you're a follower, a total rebel against Christ, we turn and cry out to him, God offers mercy and forgiveness. So if you know him, please, 
We invite you to partake in it, eat the bread, and remember his loving kindness to you and thank him for that. As the grape juice comes, please take a hold of it and we will drink together uh, in a moment. But friends, if you don't know who this Jesus is, please don't feel like you're peer pressure to partake in it. We would invite you to actually let these emblems pass by, but we would invite you to explore who this Jesus is. What better way to make a great New Year's resolution? Maybe start 2019 and ask the question, who is this Jesus? And come to know him. And if you are someone who's sitting here this morning that thinks to yourself, I'm not worthy to take this, Shabu, you don't know the kind of week I've had. Yep, I agree with you. Neither am I. Friends, that's the point. This remembrance meal is not actually about you and me. It's about Christ who gave himself up so that we can take it. And because of him, he's made us worthy because of his life, his death, his resurrection. So if you've dropped the ball this week, ask forgiveness. And God will forgive if you know him. You don't need to live in regret. Just repent. Turn to your merciful saviour. So I'm going to invite the uh, stewards to come and hand out. And would you partake with us? I'm going to pray for the communion. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for who you are. We thank you. You beautifully display to us the great God with the steadfast love, love that never ceases, a mercy that never comes to an end that is new every morning, for you are indeed a faithful saviour. God, as we partake in this communion, you are our portion. So we put our hope in you, and we do this in remembrance of you. In your mighty name. Amen.